BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, and welcome to the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor is an author, scholar, a news commentator, and we talk a lot about politics here and culture. Today's show will be on the last political stories of the year. And then next show, the Saturday show, will be on um, Victor's cultural picks. And we'll, we'll be looking at that later. Uh, Victor is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about George Santos, the new the elected, currently elected New York representative, and a little bit about Putin in the first part of this this episode. So hang in there and we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back, Victor. Um, I Can I ask you how is the weather unusual or not out here in California? Yeah, it is very unusual. Um, I think we have had for the fiscal, for the uh, rain year, I think it's July to July, we've got almost 60% now the entire year and we haven't got to the rainiest months or traditionally January and February. So it's really, really raining, and the Sierra's got about six to eight feet at seven thousand feet, Central Sierra, and yeah. so it looks good. I mean, last year it looked good, but not this good. But then it didn't rain for three months, and we had a semi drought. So we hope this continues. But it's um, the ground has been so dry that here in the San Joaquin Valley. It didn't really, it, the water just soaked in. And now after a week, you can see it pooling everywhere. So if it continues, there's going to be flooding in some of these rural towns. Yeah, mudslides. Huh? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Lemoore is about 20 miles away and they've had some flooding already. Any wow. low any low spot or town that doesn't have an adequate drainage system, which is about every one of these rural towns. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Victor, we have a current um, 
elected representative coming in and he's told a lot of tales that George Santos about his education at Baruch College finance degree, uh, his experience working at Citigroup and Goldman Sachs, and that he's a proud Jewish American. And uh, a lot of our vetters, which is good, have looked, checked these things out and they don't seem to be true. What are your thoughts on George Santos? Well, everybody agrees that he's a pathological liar. Okay. But it took it takes on importance because he was one of these, I guess there were four of them that flipped districts in the Long Island. I think his even goes down to Queens, Santos's does. So they were Republicans. Yeah. And people didn't vote because they liked George Santos. They voted because they didn't really know who he was, obviously, because he'd run before and nobody had checked him out and he'd lost. So they voted because of what he said. And what he said was almost everything opposite of what uh, the New York state in particular apparat and the hierarchy in Washington and the Biden administration was for. So that's what the that's what the voters wanted. And now we're told because he was such a pathological liar that it has reached. No, notice what I'm saying. I'm trying to be very careful. The left is not saying that that is a disqualifying factor or they'd have to get rid of Senator Blumenthal from Connecticut, who not once, but serially lied that he was a Vietnam veteran. I don't think he'd ever been inside. I know he he was in the reserve, but I don't think he'd ever been inside Vietnam. It was a pathological lie. Mm -hmm. And so people are saying, yes, politicians lie, but this reaches a new um a new level of lie. He lied about his Jewish ancestry. As you said, he lied about his education. He lied about his work history. He lied, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And why didn't people check him out? He kind of posed as he was a gay Latino from Brazil. And I think he felt that as a marginalized quote unquote person, he was going to be exempt. Maybe he was. Obviously, he was exempt for some reason. But the issue boils down to did his complete fabrication exceed the liars club in Congress? Because they all lie, right? They all pad their not. I don't mean all, but a lot of them do. Okay, but there's a little twist to it. And we're just talking now, Sammy, about whether he should be expelled and and you know, he's got the left wing DOJ, the institutional ID DOJ. And if he lied about where his income came from in connection with campaign donations to himself uh, or he lied, you know, it's not like he's Mark Zuckerberg. They can get away with giving 419 channel through a so-called quote unquote nonprofit, which I guess was tax deductible. But he will be in big trouble and that's the one way they will get him. If they don't get him, and then I think they need two thirds of a vote of the House, which they won't get. So there's two issues here. One, the House, you know, it's seven seats in general. So the Republicans can't afford to lose very many. And more importantly, five of them, maybe it's down to six, seven, six seats, but five of them are not going to vote for Leo McCarthy. Excuse me. Let me cut that. Yeah, I cut that. Yeah. So there's two issues. One, the House Republicans have a very slim lead. And two, Kevin McCarthy's got five. I don't know what their strategy is or what their mindset is, but they won't vote for him. 
So he needs every vote. So Santos is just was as just excuse me. And Santos is odious a figure that he is probably is critical to a the Republican majority in on many bills because he's a solid conservative, or at least he poses as one. And B, McCarthy needs him to to become speaker. That's the mm-hmm. one issue. The other yeah. issue is the elephant in the room. We have a pathological liar as president. And when you look at Santos, you say, well, he, Victor, he, he lied about his biography. He did. But look what Joe Biden did. He bragged that he was first in, his, in the top third of his class. He was in the bottom third. He didn't tell us about that. He plagiarized and he was put on suspension. He claimed that he was getting an offer to the Naval Academy, but because he was a football star, but not quite at Roger Staubach's level that he didn't get. That's a complete lie. Mm. He said he was a semi-truck driver. It's a complete lie. He said his son died in Iraq. It's a complete lie. He said he was arrested uh, in what? South Africa uh, in a protest. That's a complete lie. The worst lie that he did, and this is very controversial, though, his first wife died tragically, I think, with his daughter in a traffic accident at a well-known intersection. It was very dangerous. And after that happened, he stormed the country and every one of his campaigns, presidential and, and senatorial, and said that this guy drank his lunch, i.e. he was a drunk truck driver. And he was implored by people, don't do that. That is a lie. The family of the of the truck driver begged and the poor guy died, never knowing that people didn't realize he was innocent. And it's kind of controversial, but to the degree there was any culpability at all, it was probably Joe Biden's wife who yeah. made either a rolling stop out in the intersection. The truck driver tried to avoid her. What what worse thing is there to do than libel a man and his family that he caused the death of a wife of an important senator? It was horrendous. He was asked repeatedly to stop and he wouldn't. And finally he did, you know, after, I don't know, 20 years. So, I mean, and then he gave, gave, went around giving these speeches that he was the first in his family to go to college and they were all, I don't know, minor coal mine. It was a complete lie. It was completely lifted from Neil Kinnock's labor speech in Britain. Mm. So what I'm getting at, uh, and this is all besides, I'm talking about biography and personal matters. I'm not talking about things like, uh, the back vaccination will protect you from being infected or being infectiousness, or there was nobody vaccinated until I came to be president, even though 17 <laughs> yeah. million of them had been vaccinated. This is completely different than those pathological lies that he's, uh, the border is secure, all of that stuff. Um, and so I don't know what the answer is because I want to know what the standard is. Do you allow pathological liars to hold office on the idea that they're there for their views and or they haven't committed a crime and we'll see. But I will say that the DOJ is going to go after this guy and I have a feeling they're going to find some technicality, maybe not a technicality, a major crime about where the money for his campaign came from. And if they can do a Dinesh D'Souza on him, that is a trumped up federal charge, then they can have him removed from Congress. 
or at least in jail, he won't be able to perform. I mean, not that a lot of people don't belong in jail, but I think they may get the two thirds if he's convicted of a crime. It'd be pretty embarrassing. Although Senator Mendez was, you know, accused and went on trial and he was perfectly fine as a senator. He didn't resign. So what I'm getting at in this windy answer is I don't know what the rules are or the protocols. I'd like it to be if you are a pathological liar and you make up thing about your university degrees, you make up things about your son's military service, you make up things about your athletic ability, your work history, your arrest record. What more fundamental is there to a person's to a persona? Then you shouldn't be in office. Are we going to remove Joe Biden? No. So this is patently political, but you see what I'm getting at? It's, well, they're going after George Soros, uh, George, excuse me. They're going after this Santos fellow because they want to whittle down that little lead and maybe they'll find, pick up two or three, I don't know, never Trumpers and they'll be able to deadlock the Republican investigations and agenda in the House. Mm-hmm. And so they say, well, these Republicans act like they're so moral and they're allowing the Santos fellow to get off and McCarthy. Well, yeah, of course, that's politics. And exactly what you're doing with Joe Biden, you never call him to account. There's not one major Democratic politician or liberal pundit. I saw that Bill Kristol was really on this story about this is the new Republican Party. I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. What What are you doing? What did you do when Joe Biden said that his son was died, died in Iraq? What did you do when he said there wasn't any vaccination? Did you just say, well, that's good old Joe from Scranton, who's non compos mentes? Because that's what they say. Oh, don't make, don't, don't call him a liar because he's got mental impairment, which he, they play up. Well, maybe Mr. Santos has mental impairment. He does seem that he's a little crazy to really fabricate from whole cloth his entire existence. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's where we are. It's a political matter now because there are no standards in Congress or in political life. It's up to the voters. There's nothing in the Constitution. There's nothing in statutes that say, if you've been convicted of a crime, you cannot run for office. Maybe if you're not able eligible to vote in some states because you're a felon, maybe that's a crime. But there's no federal statutes, what I'm getting at, that I know of. Yeah, sure. And it seems like they should... um blame the presses for not vetting this guy. I mean, that's what we expect our presses to do is to go in and check things out and vet them. Especially because he'd run, um, he'd run, he'd run before and he, but he was a minor uh, figure. I think part of it was that the liberal press just when he, you know, he had been married before, but he was very clearly gay. He, He bragged about that. He had a husband and he had an Hispanic name. And I think, wow, we don't want to go too deeply into a gay um, Hispanic Latino person's uh, profile. We might get some. Might find something we don't like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's so, not like, you know, so I don't know. It's just it, it's. It, I just can't get into the chorus and say, oh, my God, this is terrible. This is how the Americans have this is how low politics is stupid. You're allowing a complete pathological liar to be in Congress. Well, we had a president named Bill Clinton that was 
basically disbarred for lying under oath, right? They disbarred him from the practice of law and nobody and nobody in the Senate. They nobody. I mean, they didn't get a a two third. They didn't even get a majority to to impeach him. I mean, to convict him. He was impeached, but he wasn't convicted. So am I going to say, how can you do that when the president lies under oath in a federal interrogatory and he's the president? And you're not going to do anything? No, they're going to say that's just a private matter. And most of what Bill Clinton said was a lie. And then we can go on and on, Sammy. Yep. So we, how did Barack Obama birth his career, if you think about it? It was Dreams from My Father, that memoir. And that jump-started his entire persona on the 2004 convention speech, and he ran for Senate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we learned from a few people that he mentioned that it was a complete lie. It wasn't his memoir. He just made up stuff. And then they got the crescendo of information became so so great that he his flax when he was president said, oh, well, it was impressionistic. It was kind of true. I don't mind him changing the names, but he just made up stuff. And then there have been scholars who looked at that thing and they found exact phraseology that came from other writers. And there was the suggestion that Bill Ayers had. So there were all kinds of doubts about that. And he was president of the United States. And I can tell you right now that if somebody said to me, you just made up everything when you wrote Fields Without Dreams, I changed the names, but I was accurate. In fact, it was so accurate that to this day, people don't speak to me about it. Then I, I would be through. And if I plagiarized any of the books I wrote, I'd be through. But not Joe Biden, not Barack Obama. So I get it. It's a little ironic that these people are now demanding this character be I guess not admitted to the Congress and the Congress can get rid of many times. They just need it. I think it's a two third vote. You can correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. For ethics, e- ethics abuse or something like that. Cause it seems to doesn't me, have to be think, anything. it doesn't yeah. have to be anything. Just two thirds of the, of the sitting Congress can just say, we don't want him. Yeah. And they don't do that because in our system of checks and balances, if you start doing that to a Republican, they'll do it to a Democrat. So, yeah, and sure. then half of them are crooks anyway. So they want to say, wait a minute. Yeah. It's got to be so egregious. We don't do that. We don't completely, you know, we lie like Joe Biden and Barack Obama and Senator Blumenthal. And we've got some thuggish people. I think Bobby Rush, <laughs> the ex Black Panther. We've got a lot of people, but. We don't lie. I mean, we don't lie about yeah. everything. Yeah. So that's the point. It's not it's just the degree that to which he's a pathological liar, I suppose. Yeah. 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 And I don't think there's anything you can really do about that. I wish there were. I wish there were some consequence so we wouldn't get pathological you liars like running st- for office. Okay, but what would right? be the standard? What would be the exactly. Standard? Yeah, exactly. There wouldn't be you an can lie. political. Yeah. <laughs> 
If you run for Congress or the president, you can have one plagiarism offense. <laughs> you can have two complete made up lies about being a football star and a semi truck driver. And you can pretend you to arrested. be an ethnicity if you would yes. like. <laughs> you can be Senator Warren, who had high cheekbones and she was the first Native American Harvard law professor with point point one percent of Native American. You can do all that. And then when you're president, you get five lies. So <laughs> if you don't have any standards, I don't know what you do, but they think they do have standards. That's what's so ironic about it. Yeah. You know, they don't have any standards. They well, don't. That, that's just a further lie that, oh, we really do have standards, but we're not going to tell you all the people that break our own standards. <laughs> I mean, Joe Biden, if you think about it, <laughs> he, he said he was at the top of his class top. I don't know. Third, but he was either 75th or I don't know what it was. There was like 80, I don't know, 86, 85. <laughs> he was like almost the last person. <laughs> and then he just completely plagiarized in a, you know, in his first year. And he was just, it was just, I don't know. It was just yeah. so flagrant okay. that. that there's no anyway. way to uh, uh, there's no way to correct that except to say that the presses should have been revealing this way before. And they're they're corrupted now. So that's another part of the problem, I think. But, you know, the thing was, I mean, his wife pulled out at an intersection in front of a truck and that happened. I don't know what in the 70s, early 70s. So for uh, 30 years. He just went around the country and accused this truck driver of being drunk. And even though the guy, nobody, they investigated. Nobody ever charged him with that. Uh, I remember the National View, Jack Fowler, dear Jack Fowler, he wrote about it. And Jack showed, went back and reviewed the case. There was no, pro the prosecutor didn't even say, there was no evidence of that. And, uh, and finally, you know, the poor guy died and I remember that daughter was on TV and she said, Mr. Biden, will you just stop it? Will you just stop defaming, hurting her, our, our family? My father's memory would just stop it. And he finally did. And he basically said, I'm a pathological liar. I build a lot of my sympathy online. And that's what he does. He says yeah. his son who, you know, had a, a brain tumor died in Iraq. Did he die on the operating table when a person gets a brain tumor? Do they go over to Iraq for specialized neurosurgery? Is that what we do? No. Then he said he died from a burn pit. You know what I mean? My mother died of a brain tumor. Do I go around and say we all lived in a farm and she grew up on a farm, but in Roundup gave her the brown. Oh, no, nope. It was Paraquat. Nope, 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 nope. It was diazinon and sue and make up that. Oh, my mother, she died of chemicals on the farm. My daughter passed away. Do I do that? Without evidence. That's what yeah. this man who's president of the United States does serially. And nobody says a word. And so All this right. is what gets me mad about the whole thing. And then I know that the left says, well, that's called what about what about some, you know, yeah. you just don't excuse a pathological liar because he's in a league with pathological liars. No, you don't excuse him. I'm not accusing him. If it was up to me, I would ask Joe Biden and this guy to resign, both of them. Get out. You're pathological liars. You deceived the voters. They didn't have enough information. That's the argument. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah. All right. Well, Victor, um, something that gets me confused is Ukraine and then Putin and his um, new sort of reign of terror that he has um, implemented through bombing of the Ukraine. And and I was wondering what your thoughts were, given that the winter is coming on and Europe is getting colder and Putin is their main. It's the same, it's the same old thing that we've talked about. I mean, I, I sound like a broken record, but. Russia has 30 times the area. It's got 10 times the GDP. It's got three and a half times the population. It's got 7,000 nuclear weapons. It's got a very sophisticated arms industry. And the moment it is not far away from the Russian borders in an expeditionary fashion, as it was trying to take Kiev, it will fight very doggedly. And the only way that Ukraine has survived, and I admire Zelensky, I admire their troops, they're very brave, they're up against the odds, but at some point, somebody has to say, you're now fighting in Russian, majority Russian-speaking areas because of your courage, you pushed them back uh, close to the 2014, uh, post-2014 borders, and you want to reclaim this land from them, but we all know to reclaim that land from Russia, who stole it or annexed it or absorbed it in 2014, it requires a level of violence and an offensive preemptory strategy, whether that's attacking Russians inside Russia along the borders, blowing up their supply depots, taking out their grid, sinking another three or four capital ships in the Black Sea fleet, whatever it is, it's going to be provocative. And uh, I don't think anybody ever thinks about that. They just think Russia's evil and Ukraine is noble. And we like the Ukrainians because in the 2016 election, the ambassador wrote an op-ed and a lot of Ukrainians were very, very pro-Hillary and they hated Trump. And then we remember that the they were pretty good when a lot of the people came forward and helped give evidence and, and impeach Donald Trump. And so we all love Mr. What was he? Lieutenant Colonel, Mr. Nunes. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, not Mr. Remember that in his, yeah. his exchange. So we all love Mr. Vinman. He was offered secretary of defense by the Ukrainian government. He was very inter. He was the person who got Donald Trump impeached and he was a Ukrainian American and they just worshiped him on the left. So in their way of thinking, Ukraine, that they transfer all their disappointment without, without that they had with Russian collusion and the laptop and they wanted to tie Putin to Trump and they transfer all of their worship of the Ukrainian anti-Trump people to this conflict. And so the inexplicable arises. This anti-war left has found an imperialistic project that they're, they really like. They want to give two, three hundred, probably billion dollars to get the last Russian out of these disputed borderlands. More power to them. But they don't ask ever. They don't say ever what are going to be the risk and the cost. They never do. No. And so... People but keep falling out of the windows in Russia. There's yeah. not an all every time an oligarch hiccups a slight sign of disagreement, he falls out of a window in India or somewhere. Yeah. And so Putin is methodically exterminating the opposition. There is not going to be a popular uprising like people talk about that suddenly all these Democrats that have been hiding around Moscow 
or St. Petersburg are going to rise up and march on the Kremlin or get rid of Putin and then get finally a democracy. It's not going to happen. Anybody knows that, that there's been a democracy in Russian history. I'd like to hear about it. Yeah. And there hasn't. And it's not going to happen. And they're going to fight and fight and fight. And when Mitch McConnell says the Republican Party in, in general and, and the Senate in particular is considers that the most important issue, uh, defeating Russia and Ukraine. In Ukraine, when we've had five million illegal entries just pouring across the southern border, causing all sorts of mayhem. And you tell me how you're I don't know how many are permanent residents, but probably around four million. How are you going to offer thousands of dollars per person when we're broke already? And so it's not yeah. the most important issue. And I but support so Ukraine. I'd like to see Ukraine win, but I do not want people in the United States telling them that they're going to fight to the last Ukrainian and there's no danger about nuclear weapons and Putin is just mouthing off and we've got plenty of money. We've got plenty of missiles. We've got plenty of drones. We've got plenty of everything. We're just going to completely supply you. And that's yeah. what the left is doing now. And some yeah, people but, on but the do, do you think that this supporting the war in the Ukraine is just deflecting from all their failures here at home in domestic? Partly, I mean, that's a, it, yeah. yeah, partly it is because when that's why I can't figure out McConnell. I don't I think he loves to be Senate minority leader. He doesn't want to deal with conservatives in this party that he would have to as majority leader. He's at an age where he's a totem in Washington and he feels, you know, I'm sober and judicious. I'm the steady hand of the Republican Party. I like being minority leader. What's the advantage of being majority leader? Yeah. And I will voice at certain times bipartisan tropes, and that's what he's doing. But I mean, in a perfect world, we all want Ukraine to win. They, these people are very brave. Russia had no business adjudicating this 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 problem through force of arms, surprise attack. They got what's coming to them. They've wrecked. I think their economy will be eventually wrecked. But, but we're talking three, four years of this. And Ukraine is not a democratic government. It's as corrupt a country as there is in Europe, more corrupt than almost any country in Europe. And they don't have the wherewithal to fight this war. And they are saying to us, Give me all that I want and let me fight this war against your main rival in Euroasia. And I can do whatever I want to win. And you just keep giving me. And that's not how things work. They just don't work that way. At some point, we ask ourselves, what's our geostrategic relationship with this thug in Moscow with Putin's Russia? And it's more complicated than that given their nuclear arsenal and their traditional triangulation, triangulating role with China vis-a-vis -vis the United States. So we've, we've given up a lot. We've allowed a new kind of a Turkish, Chinese, Iranian, Russian alliance. And uh, when you put India kind of sort of in that mixture, you've got about, you know, you're getting 45 percent of the world's population. And you've got nuclear India and you've got nuclear China and you've got nuclear Russia. I mentioned India because it's it is basically buying all it can from Russia and keeping Russia afloat with its with its energy purchases. And it's very neutral in this. And it doesn't 
And so speaking of emergent energy purchases, I was hoping that we could talk about Europe and Europe's status, but let's take a moment for some messages and then come right back and we'll turn to Europe after these messages. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Welcome back, Victor. Um, so I know you were just finishing up with Russia. Russia is an important supplier, not just of India, but also of Europe, and obviously their gas and energy um, very important to them. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the status of Europe um, this coming winter at this time. What are your thoughts? Well, they're very the lucky. They were very, very lucky because they started hoarding natural gas, liquefied natural gas, and they thought it would be a very cold November and December. And while it's been very cold here, it has not been as cold as usual in Europe. So they have adequate stocks, but we're not even halfway. We've got January, February, and March in Europe, and I think it will get cold, and they will deplete those stocks very readily. And a lot of people are already angry about the price of energy. I mean, electricity is just, it's obscene in Europe. And they're not going to be able to have a fleet of electric vehicles at the price of electricity. It's going to be in, in some countries, and I think Germany is one of them, and Britain's getting close. The price of driving a Tesla is probably comparable or more than a, than a gasoline-powered car. And so... Uh, it's not a sustainable situation. And maybe we, especially when the world's largest natural gas producer, the United States, will not produce the natural gas it's capable of because of the Biden administration. If, the, if Biden said, we're in an existential fight in Ukraine, we want to flood the world with cheap energy to weaken Russia's uh, price advantage, and we want to help our brethren in Europe. And I announced today that we're opening up, you know, Anwar, and we're going to finish Keystone, and we're going to open up more offshore leases in the Gulf, and we're going to have areas of California and Utah put back into play. Yeah, that would be a good, a good policy. He's not doing that. He's doing the opposite. So, the Europeans, I, I'm actually pretty sympathetic because we we deprecate their contributions. But if you look at the total 
package of all of the EU and the other countries within Europe, financial and military. It's getting close to what we gave, number one. And number two, the direct consequences of this war are hurting them far more than us. And so we'll see what happens. But, you yeah. know, this was all I don't think anybody understood what Putin is. I mean, they keep saying he's a monster. He's a, yeah, he's a monster. He's capable of anything and he will do anything. So they said he wouldn't. He's sending what, what's the catalyst for this conversation we're having is today. He sent one hundred and what, 20 missiles and drones and He's you've got large cities in Ukraine with 90 percent of electricity gone. The grid's destroyed. People are freezing. He's waging a where an aerial war of terror and they can't stop him. They keep saying, well, we shot down with our, you know, our imported anti missile, anti drone uh, deterrent. We shot down 59. It doesn't matter how many shot down. More than half got through. And he can keep doing that. He's buying them very cheaply from Iran. And he's buying weapons from Turkey, who's, I think, selling to both sides stealthily to Russia. But and he's got an arms and arms industry within Russia. So he's going to continue to do that. And he's reducing day by day Ukraine to a pre-civil pre-civilizational status. And I don't, I don't and people are shocked that he would do that. They said, wow, now we know he's an utter thug. He's just a barbarian. It's a war of terror. Yes, that's what it was always about. And that's what he'll continue to do. He'll up it. And if it doesn't quite work, he'll drop a nuke at, at some point just because he can. And I don't get this idea that we in the United States have declared Russia evil and Ukraine noble, and therefore Russia is not allowed to wage war the way it does. That doesn't make any sense. That's what thugs do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, given that we're putting so much money into billions into the Ukrainian border, let's turn now to our border and talk a little bit at the end of the year on your reflections about the continuous lies of the Biden administration. Well, that, that's the right word, Sammy, because, I mean, I think everybody's really frustrated. They were confused and then they were frustrated. Now they're furious because you see these fil films, pictures, videos. I, and I know that the PBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, MSNBC, CBS doesn't show this, but the word is getting out. You see these images of people just walking across the border. There's no border. There's no border. It doesn't exist. El, El Paso looks like a homeless camp. And we're in a recessionary time. It's going to get worse next year. And so we're going to get five million. We're letting in a million five greater Fresnos every day. And these people are going to need billions billions of subsidies and then when you bring in somebody everybody said well they're noble i don't think it is too noble i think the first if the first decision you make in your migration is to break the laws of your host the second is to ignore a summons or to live there or reside there illegally and the third is to make the documentation fit the crime that is have fraudulent paper i don't think that's such a good thing i really don't yeah. And you get all these very loud elites. And uh, I just saw Bill Crystal, and I'm 
kind of focused because somebody sent me some stuff he wrote and saying, you know, this is really good about immigration because we have a a a need for workers. No, we don't have a need for workers. We have a need to up the labor participation rate. It's at a historic, what, 62 percent? It was 67 in 2000. If we just cut back the incentives a little bit, people would work. But when you pay them and we, you know, 80 to $100,000 in some states like New Jersey, it's better to stay home for a household. We have millions of people, not just people afraid of COVID, not just people with long COVID, not just people who retired early during the lockdown, but people who are being subsidized not to work. And the idea that you're bringing in these people because we need workers is a absurd. But what makes you think they won't catch on very quickly? You know what I mean? I have a ritual. I won't mention the location because, it's you know, I don't want to impute illegality. But I go to a, a grocery store not very far from where I live. And it's a ritual. You get in line. The person ahead of you opens the purse the wallet, and they bring out EBV card, electric banking, EBT card, transfer card A, and then B, and then C, and then D. And then sometimes they divide them up in little piles on the grocery belt. This is the alcohol. This is this. This is that. And so the point is they're buying EBT cards or they're one person couldn't have four or five EBT cards, yeah, and that's, sure. but that's not unusual. It's, it's normal. And so what I'm getting at is I don't think we're going to get 5 million people who broke the law by entering, broke the law by residing, have false ID in many cases, suddenly jump up and say, I'm here to work. Maybe, but. There's another agenda there. And, you know, when the left is on us, they brag about demography is destiny. And then they say, if you don't believe that, you're a racist that believes in the great replacement theory. But the great replacement theory and demography is destiny is the same thing. Yeah. It's just two different words for the same thing. Importing a lot of people for political purposes because you feel that once they're nursed on illegality and once they're nursed on subsidies, they will be loyal clients to the left. And they will. They will because they provide amnesty from illegality and they provide subsidies in every sense of the word. Yeah. And, and it's, then just, it's they... crazy, though. It's just I, I when I see that. Karine Jean-Pierre said the border is secure or Mallorca's the border is secure or Biden. He doesn't even know where he is. He, he said the other day, the border, we had more important things to do. No, he doesn't care. The only thing he'd care if in the, in the 2022 elections had all of those Hispanic conservatives won. And if the polls came back, basically that 65% of the Latino vote went for conservative candidates, they would close that border tomorrow. Just the way they do with Cuba. They don't want any Cubans coming in unless, you know, they're dirt poor and they're certified left wing potential voters. But otherwise, they don't want them in. This is all about changing the demography for political purposes, because your standard political orthodoxy has no 51 percent support. I really don't think it does. It has to be massaged either by changing the voting laws or changing the nature of the voters or 
are having the institutions, as we see with Twitter and the FBI and Mark Zuckerberg's infusions, do something and changing the voting, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, right now, after two years of Biden administration, we I think we have five million that they've counted that have come in illegally. And we're going to get another five million. That's 10 million, you know, by the I end. I think we need to. I think we on the conservative side really need to change the atmospherics, the landscape. We have this idea that it's the noble immigrant. He's a noble person. It's not noble to go willingly across a border and break break the law. It's not noble to willingly reside into a country illegally knowing so. It's not it's not noble to get housing and food and educational and healthcare supplements to free up your own cash and send it back to Mexico. And that is to take the magnanimity of your host and manipulate it so they can care for your basic needs so you can free up money with a cynical approval of the Mexican government. And that's what we're doing until we say, oh, the poor migrants don't have somewhere to sleep in El Paso. Yes, I'm very sad about that. But they did a day earlier when they came in, right? So it's like, you know, they're going to make a statement and they're going to get cameras and say, I'm going to break your laws in America and I'm going to keep breaking them. And now I don't have food or shelter and I'm right here. And then the left will say, well, they haven't done anything wrong. They just want to better themselves. And they just obliterate any mention of criminality or drug cartels or smuggling or being wards of the state. Any of that doesn't matter to the degree you even mention it. You're a racist. But yeah, so they the left has mastered the rhetoric around the whole issue, whereas the Republicans are they they just seem to be I mean, they're not completely stumped in their own circles because they'll talk about all the crimes coming across the border and the large crime base, which, you know, it's a matter of numbers. You were talking earlier about um, how much can be taken on by our welfare systems, et cetera. I mean, that's the that's that's the key to it. There's so many of them that are going to start onto the welfare system that it's going just, to be burdened. Just, I'll tell you what a 24 hour. I wish I'm getting back to Bill Crystal. When people say things like Bill Crystal, I wish he could just come here. I invite him to stay at my house and I would just say, here's 24 hours. So yesterday I walked through the orchard. It makes me weep when I see the neighborhood that we used to own, the neighboring vineyard. Uh, excuse me, Orchard. It looks it. It looks like Market Street in San Francisco, out in this beautiful rural area. There is a car seat. There are old diapers. When I go into the orchard, there are towels with like what would you call it? I don't know what the word is for the ex- excretion what? after sex. Yes, <laughs> that stuff in towels. In and the dogs, you know, want to sniff. And there's drugs. There is a refrigerator. Every and it gets bigger every time I walk, I see a new one. And then I drove the long way into town, which is about a mile from my home. And I go down this 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 beautiful rural road and there is a oven and there is a refrigerator and I get to the corner two intersections down and it looks like um, it looks like the county dump. 
somebody has gone in the corner and dumped appliances and then the next person, the next person, the next person. And so the owner is saying, I guess, screw this. I'm not going to clean it up myself. I want to make a statement. I'm not going. And then the word gets out. Hey, you know, we don't have to pay for dump fees. We'll just go out. And it looks like a, a it's a, a cargo container couldn't contain all of that junk right out on the intersection. And then I look at these standpipes. These are concrete big pipes, three, five feet in diameter that rise out of the ground on the underground uh, ditch system or pipeline system throughout this area. And this these poor farmers, they paint them and there's all of these gang insignia, these Serenios, the Nortenos, the M13. It's just, they're just completely covered with it. And then at night have four dogs and it's like each night, are they going to let off illegal fireworks like, like last night? So you get cherry bombs and everything all night long. So the dogs go nuts. Or are they going to shoot guns? Is there going to be somebody out in the road shooting a gun or dumped off after beating up a woman? Apparently, according to the sheriff's report, I don't know. But that's what happens when you let five million people and a lot of them are coming to California. They're bust in or they're flown in and nobody says a word, these elites. And they say, oh, the, you're a racist for saying that, Victor. How dare you? So today I walked this morning and I was thinking about this and I saw a new kind of scattered trash. And I went over there and I said to myself, I'm going to be empirical. I'm not a deductive person. I'm going to look at the lettering of all the documentation that goes in. It's all in Spanish. It always is. And it's very careful. It's not an envelope that says this is my address. <laughs> it's an advertisement. It's a newspaper. It's labeling on some direct. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. and it, at some point you say, the environmentalist in me is getting very angry that they're destroying the natural habitat of rural California. Or there's these labs now, meth labs and marijuana farms that people don't want to go in parts of the Sierra. It's dangerous because the cartels have their people up there working and it's booby booby trapped and they've got automatic weapons, semi-automatic weapons. So this is the underbelly of what's going down there. So when you see people crossing and unfortunately, they're mostly young men. And it's not going to be, hello, I just crossed your border illegally. And I've been staying in your, and I don't need public assistance. I wouldn't dare do that to you. You're the host. That would not be kind of me. And you know what? I'm going to learn English very quickly so that you don't have to spend money on interpreters. And I am going to... Go to work. What do you need me to do? I will be self-supporting. I don't think that's going to happen. It doesn't happen. In some cases, it happens after two generations, three generations. It happens in a lot, but not the first generation, not with 30 million people likely here illegally. I picked up my laptop. I opened it up and here's a local town and they have a school board meeting and the parents are all we mentioned that before. They're all angry because they're from Oaxaca and there is no interpreter. No interpreter at the school board meeting. So, and the news account is condemning 
I, I this bankrupt town and that we're all kind of bankrupt in California. Now the state is 25 billion in the hole and we've got 200 billion in unfunded liabilities. And these small communities can't afford adequate water and sewage and policing. But this immigrant from south of the border is angry because her children she brings in don't have an interpreter. She doesn't have an interpreter. I have sympathy for her because, you know, she's at a board meeting. She's a parent. She gets probably she buys things at the store. She pays sales tax. But whoever who or what transmitted the message that you come into a foreign country, you don't learn the language and then you make demands on to have expensive interpreters for your benefit. That's how far we got. I lived in Greece over two years. The idea that I would go, I don't know, down to uh, City Hall in Athens, and I'd say, I've decided, and I came legally, and I had a green card, too, that I was able to work if I wanted, and a student visa. And I said to myself, what if I went down there and said, you know what, I'm learning, I just want everything to be in English, because I, I need that. They would have hung me from a lamppost. <laughs> it, would be, it would have been so absurd to my Greek host. And yeah. I was, as I said, I was legal. So I don't get this. It's just when you look at that border and the cost and the and the mayhem and the drugs and the coyotes and the smuggling and the smug smile on the the faces of Mexican grandees who are encouraging this. And you see the Biden administration, Vice President Harris, President Biden, Secretary of Homeland Security Mayorkas, Press Flack, whatever her title is, Karine Jean-Pierre saying the border's secure. <laughs> you know, it's like it's not quite. I guess it would be gaslighting. You know, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, the lights in a weird street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, are you insane, Victor? You think the border's not secure? It's completely secure. Those five million people that are on TV every night, they're not crossing the border. They're just coming over to say hi and they're going to go back. They're just, you know, visitors for a day or an hour. That's what they want us to believe. It's really, I've never seen anything like it, the border. Never, 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 never in my entire life. Well, the media has been relatively quiet for two years and about nine, ten months. And then they had this little blip in the last month where they started saying, wow, look, there's a num huge numbers coming across the border. I'm talking about the media, the mainstream, everything but Fox News, who has been covering the numbers coming over the border and the crimes coming over the border. But otherwise, it's only been in the last month where they've said a couple of things, but I guess that's drifted into nowhere land recently. Uh, I think they are getting worried because some of the people on the left have been so, kind of like the woke, you know, when you hear Tim Robbins, the actor, or Bill Meyer, or some of the people that left the New York Times, you know, damning the cancel culture and wokeness. Same thing about the border. It's so out of hand that they feel it can be. And they look at the polls and it's like 65% of Americans want it closed immediately. And they feel it could be a toxic political issue for them at some future date. Yeah. And so they're starting to, you know, to think, gee, this is... This is something that 
that we don't want. We're, we're kind of in Orwellian territory when the governor, the outgoing governor of Arizona and Arizona is a special case. So we have to, you know, <laughs> isn't governor elect Holmes, who was in charge of the voting as when she was a candidate at the same time, is now <laughs> asking to send asking a court to censor Carrie Lake for challenging the election that had a lot of voting irregularities, apparently in some counties. But nevertheless, he, Governor Ducey just put these cargo containers too high and it was pretty smart. They looked like a pretty good temporary wall. And the federal government is suing him. And it's like your house is broken into 20 times because you don't have the money or the will to do it. And the neighbor puts in a iron rod fence next to him. He just kind of fences the frontage and you sue him. And you say, how dare you do that? Well, it's not your territory, but you think it would be something that would be or, you know, you can't drive a car. Your car's broken down and all of a sudden your neighbor drives in and says, here's my car. And you say, you trespassed. How dare you give me your car? (laughs) I'm going to arrest (laughs) you. How dare you try to help me enforce federal law on the border? That's the attitude. It's just crazy. It's it's. Everybody should realize that this is not the Democratic Party. This is not liberal America. This isn't even progressive America. This is hardcore socialism dash communism. It really is. And it's not just AOC and Tlaib and Ilian Omar saying they're members of the Socialist Party or whatever they claim. This is serious. These people are nihilists. They really want to destroy the United States as we've known it. They really do. They want to destroy the border. They want to destroy the election system, how we elect our officials. They want to destroy great universities by just getting rid of all criteria to get in as far as that goes. It's serious. They want to destroy the military. Yeah, and they seem to think that with all that destruction, they may come out on top as well, which I don't know if they're they're uh, accurate or not in that assessment. But Victor, let's go ahead and take a break for a moment and come right back to talk about one of their one among their number, Pete Buttigieg. (laughs) No, not this. we'll, We'll be right back. We're back. And yes, Pete Buttigieg. Among the Why do you do this here. to me? <laughs> it's like, OK, we've tied you up. and <laughs> You're tied up and we're turning on his voice. <laughs> well, we've had all these scenes on the television about Southwest Airline customers not being able to get to where they're supposed to be. And some even renting a car to drive two days instead of taking well, because they didn't weren't able to take their flight. But I was wondering, this is uh, Buttigieg's world what are your thoughts on what's going on currently well we know that um when there is a transportation crisis and we've had a lot of them we've had this supply chain problem where the port of la has cargo ships stacked out to the horizon and we've had wild west robbery of trains coming in and leaving the port And we've had shortages of everything from children's Tylenol to baby formula. When we have that problem, when we have an entire 
airlines that become complete, became completely dysfunctional right in the holidays, canceling 70, 80% of its flight and stranding people with not a care about their welfare, their baggage, how they're going to get home in these blizzard conditions. When we have even prior to that, we had a broken down transportation system where I can attest at least on four occasions, the pilot informed me that we had to detour because there was no gasoline in the plane, basically, that he took off with less than he needed right at the FAA requirement. But he needed to go to San Francisco. He needed to stop in Denver, whatever it was. We had that problem. So we've had these transportation problems that are just, and I'm not even getting into the California freeway system that's just dysfunctional. And the nation's freeways around the capital, just dysfunctional. So whenever you have these problems, the Secretary of Transportation will be in one of three mindsets. He will be taking maternity leave. He's not having a baby, obviously, but his husband's not having a baby either. But I guess they've had an adoption of some sort or sperm donated to a willing uh, recipient who's given birth, whatever. But he will be off for two months or he will be on vacation in Portugal or more likely he will be lecturing the country that their cloverleafs, their overpasses and their freeways are racist, (laughs) racist. And that's what he does. Oh, there's a fourth thing he will do. He will get in a van or car and then he will tip off reporters and get on his bike and ride the last three miles into work on a bike while he lectures everybody how they've got to change their gasoline guzzling bad habits. Mm -hmm. So this guy is a complete joke. He has no experience in business. He has no experience in anything he was the governor of i mean the mayor of south bend indiana yeah i guess we know it because of notre dame and he was a disaster he was a disaster and he every time he gives a speech he seems so sanctimonious and so i don't know what it is he just exudes this arrogance and and self-righteousness and he never says anything yeah, and it smells. Yeah, it's just odious. It smells of he never does anything. He doesn't either. do anything, and yet he's being talked up as a presidential candidate. What What are the back rooms of the Democratic Party? Well, we have Mayor Pete, and you know he screwed up the train system at the Port of L.A. He screwed up the supply stuff. The airlines are dysfunctional. We gave Southwest $7 billion with no strings attached as COVID money. And I guess they just thought, you know what? We're going to use these antiquated computerized booking systems and route systems and plane systems and luggage systems until they just fall apart. We don't care. And he, he he's overseen all of that. And the, he did such a good job. We think he's presidential timber. It doesn't <laughs> make any sense. It doesn't. No. It sure doesn't. He's of all those, um, what do you want to call them without being illiberal? I would call them identity politics appointments. Does anybody believe he would have been appointed if he was not gay and manifestly uh, mentions he's gay at almost every avenue of any conversation, any juncture? He's always got to say that. He wouldn't be there. It's just like Corinne Jean-Pierre, we were told that 
not that she her qualifications, not of her superb repartee, not of her ability to answer questions without aids of memory right at her fingertips, but she was the first black gay woman press secretary. And that 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 people are saying, well, what, what's wrong with woke? Well, if what's wrong with woke is it becomes the primary criterion. And you don't ask yourself, is the secretary of transportation qualified? You know, you can say Elaine Chow was an insider and Mitch McConnell's wife and Trump appointed her. So Mitch and he could have some type of workable relationship, which her family did own a big shipping company, right? And yeah. she grew up with shipping, shipping, shipping. So you could at least make that argument. And she had been secretary of transportation prior to that. So, but this yeah. guy hasn't. And then almost every speech is all about the racist this and the racist that. It's not about, you know, if I don't think, I think we're so desperate and we're so estranged from reality that we, we can't even dream anymore. We can't say, what would be a secretary of transportation like? He would fly into California and he said, I have a list in my hand of a commission that said the following 10 freeways are killing people at an inordinate. And I'm going to channel federal money to each one of those. Or I have a list. I'm Secretary Buttigieg. And these are the 10 terminals in our airway system that chronically have backlog logs and delays that affect the entire air grid. And I'm going to make sure that the federal government can help these, these terminals or these airports or whatever we want to call them, get up to stuff. I can't even imagine he would do that, but that's mm -hmm. what people should do. And they don't, it just doesn't make any sense again. Yeah. No. And, you know, so maybe we can leave Pete Buttigieg to his bad job, his workless and worthless <laughs> political hack that he is, um, and turn to somebody who is the exact opposite and kind of my favorite person of the year, which is um, why I'm, I want to talk about it. And that's Elon Musk, who, you know, in contrast, as you've often said in other um, other podcast that he has produced so much. But um, in addition to that, he's um, he's in he's he was the darling of the left in some ways because he invested in companies like Tesla and well actually built Tesla and invested in companies like Solar City. So they they used to love him and then all of a sudden his buying of Twitter has made him, you know, the they put a big target on his back to take him down. And I guess that's why I kind of appreciate him. He seems yeah. to smile bigger the more and I they guess try you to did appreciate him because <laughs> I guess you bought a Tesla and you signed <laughs> up did. for and you signed up for Starlink. Yep. Yeah, and that's might as true. Well go out and buy some. What are they? Tesla batteries to su to support solar panels. But yeah, yeah. to capture the energy of yeah. the solar panels. I'm yes. thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, okay. But I like him too, and the reason I like him, he builds things that we talked about before. NASA had a monopoly on space exploration, so this week they they hate Elon Musk, and he's had what the 59th straight launch i think it was 
uh, this year successful? And it, I don't know. They're like a shotgun. They have 20, 30 satellites that pop out, this huge rocket, and it's recyclable. Lots of it is. And so every everything about him, I mean, he's giving the Starlink, this Internet, and he's giving it to Ukraine for free. So they damn, damn, damn. What is uh what do any of these other people done? What is Mark Zuckerberg doing for Ukraine? What is Bill Gates doing? Maybe they're doing things, but not providing a, a very quick, efficient uh, Internet system by which all of their sophisticated weapons rely upon. And he's doing it free at the expense of Russia. And, you know, that's amazing. And he's got this car that actually works 300 miles plus on a single charge and people in all these cities love it love it and so and then he's taken on this twitter and it's like he's open he's peeled back his can this can of sardines he's taken the lid off and it's all rotten and he's letting it air out he says look the fbi was using this company as a private contractor to evade Government's restrictions that a federal agency cannot suppress free expression. And they did that through this contractor to the extent they paid them over $3 million to do it. Wow. And he's showing everybody that. And he's showing that they had 80 FBI agents actively engaged to the degree that the Twitter left wing censors were like, hey, now don't overdo it. Yeah. <laughs> we can't find a there's no law or regulation to ban this or that. And, and so that's pretty bad. And then with a wink and a nod, I guess people in the FBI said, we want to assign you to work at Twitter. And they're going to pay us, but you better get out there. You can make some ties. And if you make some ties, you can get hired by it. Like James Baker, our chief FBI attorney, who we had to fire or we had to force his retirement. We had to wink and nod, allow him to lead, leave because he took the Steele dossier before the 2016 elections. And he was trying to peddle it to journalists. And to a lesser extent, to people probably in the State Department, or he knew about it. And that's not, and we're going to put him over there on Twitter, and he's going to do the same damn thing. He's going to try to politicize in a private company the way that he did a public agency. And he did. He was one of the persons that was the most strident trying to ban Donald Trump. Keep yeah. the Taliban, keep the theocracy in Tehran, keep Putin, keep all the Russians, no problem. But Donald Trump, James Baker's got the goods on him. He can't use Twitter. So Elon Musk exposes all of this. And you'd think they'd be delighted. They're civil libertarians. They always quote the ACLU. They talk about the McCarthy period. They talk about the free speech and Mario Salvo was their hero. So they would want somebody to come in and, you know, just expose all his efforts to destroy the First Amendment. Instead, they don't. They hate him. And when you bought this Tesla, I went online and I thought, you know, what? I'm going to look at the Tesla website and stuff that all of a sudden I noticed there's a lot of Teslas for sale. You couldn't find one and they're new Teslas and they're got maybe 2000 miles and people are trying to, I guess, trade them back in. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I work at Stanford and, and when I go over to the Hoover or I'm on campus, I heard 
I saw Teslas and I heard everybody talking about their Tesla. I don't hear people talking about their Teslas. And I don't know whether the stock, it's gone from over 400 down below 200, closer to 100 or something. He's lost, I don't know, $200 billion in stock the company has. Maybe it's over half a trillion. And it's all because I think we're in a recession and there's a lot more competition in the electric vehicle market. But a lot of it is the Twitter you know, he he bought a money losing company for 40 something billion dollars. You know, if somebody handed me Twitter and said, Victor, Twitter is yours. It's worth 45 billion dollars. All you have to do is run it. I couldn't run it because it would be losing a billion dollars every year. It's worthless in that yeah. sense, unless he can turn it around. And then he exposed all of these leeches, these drones that were, you know, coming in to the extent anybody came in. The 7,500 employees, they had gourmet food. They were doing their yoga class. They were chatting. They were involved in since they were not productive. And he's running it with about 20 percent, 25 percent of the employees that they had before he came. I thought they like all this, but they hate him. And they, they just despise him because he's making them look stupid. Yeah. He's making them look stupid because he's showing the country that the left are fascist, that they were knee deep along with their hated FBI. They love the FBI. That's one of the greatest revolutions of our time. It really is this amazing flip flop where the left used to be the watchdogs of our agency, even to an extreme degree. If you look at Frank Church's 1970s, mid-70s oversight committee in the Senate, when he exposed CIA and assassinations and FBI, domestic spying, and all of that, whether you agree with he went too far or not doesn't matter. And, And you would think that the left would say, you know what? J. Edgar Hoover's FBI or James Comey. No, they love the FBI. They love the Pentagon. They love the CIA because they're enacting a woke agenda at the bequest of the left without any interruption in Congress or the courts. They just do it by fiat. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, hey, we should have biodiesel. Oh, well, the Navy will buy it. Hey, we need subsidized trans, I don't know, transgender stuff. Pentagon will do it. Hey, we need women. In like, what would be the, the most unlikely thing we could get? Maybe women could get into special forces units and we'd, we'd lower the physical standard. Yeah, the Pentagon can do that. That's how they look at it. You just immediate fast tracking of this social agenda. And that's why they love them. And then in turn, the FBI said, you know, CIA said, you know, I don't know. DOJ said, you know, Pentagon said, you know, if you think about it, who's the party of big government? Who wants to raise taxes for more revenue for us? Who, I don't know if who rewards fealty better, the Democrats. So let's just be woke. So if Hunter's got a laptop and the Biden Joe doesn't want it, we'll just suppress it and lie about it. And, you know, with a wink and a nod, we'll get 51 former FBI, CIA, NSA, whoever they are. And we'll just lie and say it's Russian disinformation. And you know what? 
If Ashley Biden, they want Ashley Biden's diary back, we'll get that crazy James O'Keefe in his underwear and humiliate him, even if he doesn't have the diary. So that's what they're doing. And, yeah. and, and the right was always, well, these people are, they enforce the law and they keep law and order and they keep traditions. And that's why we need a strong military. I agree with all of that, but that's not what's happening right now. And so you're seeing conservatives very critical of the FBI, very critical of the CIA, very critical of the Pentagon. And you're seeing the left saying, hey, don't make fun of John Brennan. He's one of us. He may be a liar, but he's our liar. And don't make fun of James Clapper or James Comey or Andrew McCabe or Peter Strzok or Lisa Page or James Baker or Robert Mueller. These are the good guys. These are the good guys. And it's it's fascinating to watch this reversal in American politics. Well, they've managed to get 51% of the population behind them, even though they are often exposed well, as corrupt you, and hypocritical. Why do you say that 51 because of Joe Biden's election? Yeah, yeah. Joe yeah. Biden's election, the red wave never happened. in. I mean, I know that the conservatives won in some ways, but that red wave. Well, they had, the more, election, they had more votes. They had about three or four million more votes nationwide than yeah. the Democrats. But yes. They didn't have the. That's not like the 10 right million. They, no. Joe Biden had 10 million more than Donald Trump at, um, over the whole population. Right. Donald I, Trump know, was in. Okay. If you go back to the history of Aristotle's Constitution of Athens or books for especially about the nature of democracy in Aristotle. Or very early in Tocqueville's Democracy in America, just to take some examples, you get a constant theme, and that is that when you have a radical democracy, not a republic, but a radical democracy, and we're becoming that way, then the people will always vote themselves larger and larger entitlements, and they'll always find justification for that by saying, he's greedy, she's exploitive, he doesn't need it. I do. And two, as Aristotle most famously said, once a man votes equally with another man, I'm not saying male, but person, person then yeah. he feels that in every aspect of his life, he should have the same equality. So you and I are voting. You can vote. I can vote. So we're equal. But you have a Tesla and I don't. So why is that? How'd you get that Tesla? I don't have a Tesla. I have a truck. I want your Tesla. I want something just like it. We got to be equal. And that's how the democratic mentality ultimately devolves. I think there's a word devolve. I know it, you know, it should mean the opposite of evolve, day yeah. down from X out of, but that's what happens. It's, it's kind of, you know, all these typologies of democracy that Aristotle was talking about the worst. The worst was the most radical without any qualifications for participation and urban. And that's yeah. what we have. Yeah. And so we're, we're maybe dynamic people can save us, Victor. We need to end this on a. Uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, who are no, the dynamic? Like, dynamic the, Elon Musk is one, but go do other dynamic people that can help us. OK, well, Here's five people in the news this year, right? Yeah. And you tell me if they're going to save us. 
Elon Musk, I give you credit. I think you're absolutely right. He's doing more as a private citizen for the United States than any man in my lifetime by yeah. doing exposing this at great financial risk to himself. I'm just worried he's going to drop dead and his very valuable SpaceX and Tesla and all these wonderful things he's created are going to die in the vine. But yes, you're right. How about our main medical officer who guided us through the lockdown and COVID, Anthony Fauci? Wait, I want people who are really well, good. I'm talking do about the most worse. prominent. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Burks, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, ah, ex Mayor Bloomberg, maybe, I don't know, Pete Buttigieg. So I can't see anybody, generals, maybe. I'll look toward the military. I'm looking for a Sherman, a Matthew Ridgeway. Dwight Eisenhower, ah, Mark Milley, Lloyd Austin, nope. Maybe a law enforcement officer? Uh, we have that Christopher Ray? Mark Coleman at the border. Who I good. guess he's no That's, longer. He's, no, he's, he's yeah. retired, but he's, he's very yeah, good. He speaks it. So who are, who, so you're right. I'm just being badly facetious. Who do we yeah. want to leave on an, uh, a note, an upward note of somebody that, that has tried to do something for the United States recently. And I mean, you, everybody hates Donald Trump apparently now, but if you look at the four years of governance, what he did on energy yep. and foreign policy and deregulation and almost everything, energy yep. development, he was, he, he really did a lot at the border. He really yep. did. The economy was going great guns. Yes, There's no absolute, doubt about it. Absolutely. There are people that I admire. Yeah. I I always had some differences with Rand Paul, you know, because yeah. I thought that he was sort of a neo-isolationist in a way. But the more that I have listened to him lately, and he's been dead on on Fauci. He's been absolutely courageous. And he was one of the first major politicians who saw what this guy was doing, that he was a megalomaniac and that he had no sense of cost of benefit analysis of the results of his policies that were detrimental to millions of children that were based on faulty science and were par partly hiding his own culpability and gain of function subsidies to the Wuhan lab. So he, he, I really admired what he's been doing there. And then on yeah. budget issues, he's getting, I really think of all the senators, he, Tom Cotton, there's really some really good ones. I want to end on that. There's some, I like, I know everybody oh, doesn't like Josh Hawley, but I like him. And I DeSantis, he's, right? He's been yeah, taking I, on all sorts of issues. I think he's, it's very funny because you keep thinking that a politician's going to have a fall as he becomes more and more well-known. So the left-wing press is going after him. They're going after his biography. They're going after his wife. They're going after everything about him. But the more that they go after him, and Trump has been going after him. Yeah. But the, the more that people go after him, the better he does. So when we had this latest drag show where they had almost, I'm not saying, well, maybe it was simulated sex acts and there were children in the audience. And he he spoke up, even though that he got so much criticism. And he basically said to the nation, we've spent decades getting laws that protect children from overt sexuality. There's a reason why they can't access 
pornography. Uh, there is a reason why they can't appear in pornography, that there is a reason why they don't go to adult theaters. There's a reason why they don't go to bars. And yet you, under the guise of woke transgenderism, are exposing them to language and simulations that would would be felonious in any other realm. And he, he did it again. He's making that argument. So, yeah, I think he's. I know that a lot of people in the Republican Party fear him in the sense that they feel that the big Republican money on the sidelines, it will bring back the Romneys, the Bushes and the establishment aristocratic Republican Party by funding him solely because he's not Trump. And I know there are other people who think, you know, and I've said this before, we don't know whether he'll be the great Scott Walker Hope of 2012 that, you know, that didn't do well. 2016, I should say, that didn't do well. Yeah, it does great. Yeah. The, yeah, the cauldron of being on the stage with Donald Trump. Yeah. So we'll see. So it's premature. But I wrote a column, let him fight it out. I think it'd be very, I don't think it would be deleterious. I think it would be beneficial. But I yeah. do admire DeSantis. I think he's... He's yeah. he's he and I just saw a poll today that whereas uh, Trump beats Biden by one point, I think. And I think it was in a Zogby poll, which is pretty liberal. Uh, it's a blowout with with DeSantis at this early, 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 early point that yeah. he handedly beats. When you watch him, when he handles the press, he, I, I can't see anybody that's been better at it than he has. And he's not gratuitous. I mean, he's tough, but he doesn't just go out of his way. That's what's tragic about Donald Trump. Like they did a hit piece in him. I think it was in that New York magazine. Um, it was kind of unfair, of course, as everything is. But he he tweeted about he said a very unattractive woman. Who cares? Why say that? Unattractive woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Something, no. was, I, don't quote me literally, but it was something to that effect. Yeah. He was commenting, I guess, on her physicality. Yeah, and which often turns a lot of people off. So. Yeah, it's like Megyn Kelly when she was in that debate. And she that was a legitimate question, whether you think she was. That's what people do. They ask tough questions. And when she said that about she gave examples of his treatment toward women. It was kind of funny about Rosie O'Donnell. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he later said she was gushing. Was it blood coming out of her nose or I don't know what it was. There was suggestions that he was mentioning or referencing menstruation, but there was no need for that. She yeah. was a successful journalist since she's, uh, you know, when she went to NBC, she was treated pretty badly. And she's now got, I've been on her podcast. She's a very... She's very conservative. I think she always was, but she's a very effective interviewer. And so you don't need to do that to someone like that is what I'm trying to say. You don't need to do it to anybody like that. And, yeah. and that's what's tragic because I think you could make the argument for the four year period in which he was president. There was no president ever that had more dastardly opposition where people broke the law with the Russian collusion hoax and the law laptop uh, suppression and the outsourcing of contractors like 
Twitter. And it's not just Twitter, Sammy. We're going to hear about Google and Facebook as well. That's going to, at some point, they will come clean, will have to come clean. And yet, through all of that, and then we had Anonymous who was bragging that he was undermining the very mechanism of the internal Trump administration. And we had the generals and Admiral, Admiral McRaven, whom I have great respect for, but he wrote an op-ed said he should, the sooner the better he's gone. That's, I mean, there's elections. You don't need to say that, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and yet he did so, so much. He gave us growth. He had almost record peacetime unemployment. He, he didn't, everybody conspired against him at the border. I don't know where Ann Coulter gets off and says he didn't do anything with the border. Well, he was being sued day and night. There were people in the Pentagon undermining him. There were people in Homeland Security undermining him. And he finally did replace a lot of the rickety wall, hundreds of miles of it. Didn't get a lot of new wall built, but he did his best. He tried to, and he did wonders with energy and he would have done more. So, and what's tragic and diplomacy about diplomacy too? His diplomacy, diplomacy was keeping yeah. things at peace. And well, we have we Saudi Arabia right now, close to Israel. We have the Abrams Accord is still functioning. He was right on about Iran. Even the Biden administration tried to give the entire store over to Iran, and they said that's not enough. And even they now are very skeptical for the first time of the Iran deal. And he saw that right away, and he did just. Everything he did was successful. And what was tragic about it was that I'm not saying they wouldn't have hated him anyway. They're going to hate DeSantis. You know, that's what's so ironic about Dick Cheney attacking Trump as if he's extraordinarily repulsive and gets this um, reaction. They they hated Dick Cheney. I wrote two columns listing all of the scandalous, horrific things they said about him, you know. Nazi yeah. and brown shirt. Al Gore called uh, George W. Bush a brown shirt. So the, all of that rebuke, I know they hated him, but he he acted in a human-like fashion, but it was counterproductive. It was self-destructive when he, you know, we've said that before. He made fun of the way Fauci looked or they threw a ball or he did that. And all that did was was fuel his opponents and then the independent voter, of which I talked to a lot of them, and I would argue with them. They'd say, Victor, everything he did, especially, you know, I talked to a lot of the donor class in politics. I, I met some pretty wealthy people in various venues at lectures I gave. They'd come up, Victor, everything he did, a-okay with me, but I, my wife can't stand him or my husband can't stand him because he, and then it was, you know, a tweet. So, and a lot of people say, that's why I voted for him. Yeah. Well, yes, but you can't get elected with a popular vote, even especially the way the voting is set up when you change the voting laws. So you have to win by five to six points in the popular vote to win by one under this mail. And I think DeSantis could probably do it, but I'm not going to make you know, any predictions. I'm not going to endorse anybody or anybody. I want, I want them to play out because... We'll see if Trump exercises more discipline and stops his self-destructive last month and a half of gratuitous, you know, attacks here and there and stuff. And we'll see if DeSantis uh, performs as well as he governs in the political sphere on the national stage. 
All right. Well, Victor, we're at the end of our time. In fact, we're way beyond it. I haven't, I've forgotten to remind people that they can find you at victorhanson.com. That is your website and you can sign up for a free subscription and get your name on our mailing list and get um, your articles, a newsletter sent to you, which always reminds people of what articles have just recently been put up. Or you can subscribe for the VDH Ultra articles, which are written exclusively for the website and that is for five dollars a month and or fifty dollars a year so those are the um subscriptions that you can um buy at at victorhanson.com so come join us victor thanks so much for you know bringing us back to reality as you say and maybe opening up the the future a little for us to dream again i hope so this is a wonderful country it's got wonderful people and we can recover and i think we will in 2023 that will be the beginning of the recovery Mm -hmm. all right well thank you very much and have a good new year thanks everybody 